Get the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Throughout history, the world has known countless kings, some noteworthy, but all flawed. That's the difference between the world's kings and the king of kings. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah wraps up the series, The Jesus You May Not Know, with a closer look at the kingship of Christ. Listen now as David concludes his message, Is He King of the Jews or King of Kings? Well, today uh, we begin um, the last message from the questions. Uh, the questions that we've been talking about during this series, The Jesus You May Not Know. Tomorrow, on the Friday edition of Turning Point, we're going to wrap all of this up with sort of a summary question, and that is how to really love Jesus. How do you take all of this and apply it to your life? You don't want to miss the Friday edition because it kind of is the, it's the capstone on this series that we've been talking about throughout the month of May. Once again, let me tell you that um, the month of May made it possible for us to offer you the book that goes with this series. In fact, this book has just come out. It's brand new, never been issued before. All this is brand new material, and it comes from the book that Jesus You May Not Know. And this book is our way of saying thank you to you during the month of May for your generosity. When you send a gift to Turning Point during this month, this very crucial month for our ministry— We want to say thank you with this beautiful 250-page hardback book, The Jesus You May Not Know. It's our way of saying thank you for your investment in this ministry and for standing with us during these important days. So be sure to ask for the book when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Simply say, send me the book, The Jesus You May Not Know, and we've got a book with your name on it. Just, Just send it to us, and we'll send this back and you'll have this book to use and study and reference and uh, be blessed by for many, many days ahead. Right now, we're going to finish up what we started yesterday as we talk about this question. Is he king of the Jews or is he king of kings? We know that when Jesus was in heaven before he came to this earth, he was cohabiting with the Father and the Holy Spirit in his eternal reign. One day, the Father, I'd like to personalize this a little bit, came to his son and he said, Son, we need to take care of the problem down on earth. We need to go take care of the sin problem, and there's only one person who can do that, and it's you. And I believe I hear Jesus saying, Lord God, my Father, I am willing And the Bible says, Lo, in the volume of the book it is written, I have come to do your will, O God. So Jesus came down here, and for 30-some years he lived on this earth in perfection. And they took this one from heaven, and they nailed him to a cross. And he died, and he was buried, and he rose again. And for 40-some days he was on this earth, demonstrating that he was indeed the resurrected Savior. 
And at the end of that time, it was time for him to return to his home. He didn't come here to stay. It was a round trip he took. And he was called back to heaven. The Bible says, out on that same mount to which he will one day appear the second time, Jesus ascended into heaven, and the angels said to the disciples, why are you so upset about this? This same Jesus that you have seen go up is going to come back. And we often leave the story there, but we don't ever stop to figure out what it was like in heaven when Jesus got back home. What do you think it was like? Well, I think I know what it was like because I believe the psalmist prophetically tells us what it is like. I believe the psalmist tells us that it was like this. Psalm 24, 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And he walked back into heaven and he sat down because his work was finished. He is the king of glory. Years ago, someone told me about another pastor in this town whose name was S.M. Lockridge. He was an African-American preacher who was known far and wide for his incredible oratory when he preached. I was young and called him up one day and asked if I could come and meet him. Now I went to his church, and I met him. And I said, S.M., I want you to come to my church and preach. And if it'd be all right, I'd like you to bring your choir. And S.M. Lockridge came with his choir, and we had a night I'll never forget. I mean, they lit the place up. And then he got up, and he preached one of his famous sermons. And the title of the sermon is, That's My King. I wish I could show it to you. I actually tried to find the video of it, but video back then wasn't very good. So I'm going to just give you one paragraph from his sermon. This is kind of how it went. This is what he said. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's honest. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the grandest idea in literature. He's the highest personality and philosopher. That's my king. He had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There's nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. I love that part right there. He said... He said, you can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. Tell you what, men and women, you can do a whole lot less in your life than getting to know who Jesus is as your king. He's in charge. In those days when you feel like everything's gone every which direction but the one you thought it should go, you just need to stop and look up into heaven and say, thank you, dear God, that Jesus Christ is in control. And I might not understand what's going on right now, but he's my king. Those are his royal titles. Let me talk with you secondly about his regal throne. Wouldn't you love to see how it looks in heaven right now? Wouldn't you like to see what Jesus is doing there? Wouldn't you like to be able to have a 
little short video clip of what's going on in heaven right now. Well, I can't give you the video clip, but I can give you a pretty good description. Because our Lord is in heaven, enthroned. I wish I could take the time to read to you from Isaiah chapter 6 or Revelation chapter 4, how he is described, but you can do that. It's pretty impressive. No video could ever capture the majesty of the enthroned Jesus. And the Bible says that you and I are to not lose sight of that. Colossians 3 says, If you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on these things. So let me ask you a question I had to ask myself this week. When was the last time you meditated on the enthroned Christ seated at the right hand of the Father? Just sat there and allowed your mind to picture that the God of the universe who created us with the word of his mouth and his Son, Jesus Christ, seated together in glory, in all of their majesty, totally in control of all that happens, I echo the words of S.M. Lockridge, he's my king. And everything's all right, because he's still on the throne. So if that's true, if we have a royal regal king seated on the throne in heaven, what should that mean to us? First of all, we should praise him with all of our heart. We should worship him. That's what we're going to do. Remember, when the Magi bowed down and worshiped the Christ child, if they worshiped him in his humility as the king of the Jews, how much more should we worship him now as the king of kings in glory? I don't know how to even describe how the angels praised him as he returned to the realms of heaven. I think Psalm 24 is a pretty good indication of it. Revelation 5 gives us a visual picture of Jesus receiving praise in heaven. Listen to this, because we're going to be a part of this, and this should be kind of like what we're rehearsing right down here. Here's how it goes. In the midst of the throne stood a lamb as though it had been slain, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And I heard them saying, Blessed and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. You and I can join in down here. We can get ahead of the game. We can start worshiping now. We can bless the one with honor and glory and power given to him who sits on the throne, the Lamb, forever and ever. May I suggest to you that you cannot take a course in praising God. There's no class that I know of that can teach you how to do it. You learn how to praise like you learn how to pray. You just do it. And you do it over and over again until it just becomes perfected in your life. Every opportunity that you get, you worship him. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I'm not very good at it. Well, it doesn't matter. Just do it. You get gooder when you do it. (laughs) Praise like prayer is not something you can learn about in a book. You learn about it by being obedient. We have been commanded to praise our God because there's no sound in the world like the sound of corporate praise when all the people of God who come to the house of God lift up their voices of praise to the God that they love and worship. Whatever opportunity that you have, just remember, he's worthy of our praise, and it is our privilege and our joy and our opportunity to lift up our voices to him in adoration.
Number two, bring him all your needs. Did you know that his throne is the ultimate destination of our prayers? In the book of 2 Kings and the 19th chapter, there's the story about an Assyrian army that encircled the city of Jerusalem, and King Hezekiah had no hope of saving his throne or his people. The Assyrian emperor sent a letter demanding his surrender, but Hezekiah turned to another king seeking deliverance. He went up to the temple and he spread out the letter before the Lord, praying, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. And he laid out the letter before him. Have you ever done anything like that? I've got a few letters I had to lay out before the Lord. Lord, what do I do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? And the Bible says, as he prayed to him who sat on the throne, the Lord sent a mighty answer and the city was miraculously saved. Men and women, we can do the same with our perplexities and our problems. The example of Hezekiah is a visual picture of kneeling before the throne and spreading out our problems. We can take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. One of the most well-known verses about prayer in the Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When you come to pray, make sure you lift up worship and praise at the beginning of your prayer, lest you only speak and think of your problems and you don't see them in the perspective of who God is. But when you worship the Lord, when you praise him, when you do as the Lord taught us to do, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When you hallow the name of the Lord at the beginning of your prayer, you're seeing him in all of his wisdom and glory and power and you may not know it, but you're actually praying to the one who is seated upon the throne of all the earth. And when you do that, your problems have a tendency to get into perspective. In light of so great a God, you almost sometimes feel like you want to apologize for bothering him. And yet our problems are so important to us. We do as the king did. We take our problems and we spread them out before the Lord, and we say, Lord, what do we do with this? I remember reading this from my wonderful friend, Charles Spurgeon. He said, we can come to him with unstaggering confidence because his is not a throne for receiving tribute. It is a throne for dispensing gifts. Come then, you who are poor as poverty itself, Come, you who have no merits or are destitute of virtues. This is not the throne of majesty which supports itself by the taxation of its subjects, but a throne which glorifies itself by the streaming forth like a fountain with floods of good things. Come to the throne to worship, but then don't forget it's not just a throne to receive worship. It's a throne that dispenses gifts. And what is it the Bible says? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down to us. Where? From the Father in heaven. The King of glory sits on the throne of grace, and he listens with the deepest sympathy to every plea of his children. You have access to a listening king, so you should cultivate a praying heart. Number three, praise him with all your heart, bring him all your needs, trust him in all your circumstances. 
You may know Romans 8:28. We call it the pillow promise, because if you get this one, you can sleep. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you realize that one of the reasons God turns our burdens into blessings is because Jesus Christ is praying for us. We have learned that during this series. It's been kind of a revelation to some of us. It is Christ who died, says Romans 8:34, and furthermore, it is Christ also who is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, and what is he doing there? He is making intercession for us. Not until we get to heaven, men and women, will we ever know even a little of what he has done for us. Beyond our knowledge behind the scenes. Sometimes we'll have something going this way, and all of a sudden it looks as if some dramatic thing has happened to turn it the other way. And what do we say? It was just amazing. It was like a coincidence. Here's what I've been learning in my life. The more things that I pray about, the more coincidences happen. Because Jesus is on his throne, you can press forward with endurance, and you can pray. Let me tell you one of the things I have learned as a pastor. Jesus does not answer 100% of the prayers we do not pray. (laughs) He does not answer 100% of the prayers we do not pray. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Who are we praying to? Not a priest in a church not a pastor in a pulpit. We're praying to the Lord God Almighty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who even now is making intercession for us. So the Scripture says, let us come boldly. And the word means to lay it all out, to tell him everything. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Here's a little paradigm about your circumstances. You've got to put your hat on for this one. Here it is. We need to make sure we stay under everything that is above us so that we can stay over everything that is below us. What does that mean? You and I need to make sure that we stay under the sovereign control of Almighty God. He's above us. Let's stay under Him. Let's worship Him. Let's submit to Him. Let's stay under everything that's above us so that we can get over everything he puts under us. In other words, until we come to acknowledge the authority of Almighty God, it's pretty hard for him to ever want to give us any authority over anything else. The greatest lesson of leadership is, first of all, can you follow? Let's make sure we stay under everything he has put over us so that we can stay over everything he has put under us. Here's number four. Anticipate him through all your days. Do you know that in the very center of New Jerusalem, there is something to behold? Revelation 22, 1 says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. What's the central thing when you get to heaven? You walk in, and it's like, In the center of it all is the throne of God. Try to imagine the center of that glorious city 
the spectacular throne of God, Jesus sitting there at the headwaters of the crystal river that flows throughout the city. No, oh, the anticipation that should bring to our hearts. No wonder the chapter ends with the words, even so come, Lord Jesus. I want to end the story of the kingship of Jesus with something I read about a man whose name I vaguely remember. His name was Robert Strauss. He was a brilliant political strategist who served under several presidents from Jimmy Carter to George H.W. Bush. He is quoted as saying, this is the most accurate description of Washington I have read ever. He said, everybody in government is like a bunch of ants on a log floating down the river. Each one thinks he's guiding the log, but it's really just going with the flow. (laughs) Isn't that what's going on right now? Each one of these ants think they're driving the ship. And the same could be said, not just for this time, but for the rulers of all history. All of these rulers have died or they will die. None has risen from the dead. All of them have dominated the headlines for a period, but none has divided history in two. The rulers of this world enjoy limited authority for a limited time. Only Jesus possesses infinite authority for all eternity. Many rulers have improved the quality of life for their subjects, but only Jesus can give you eternal life that will take you to heaven. Except for him, all leaders are flawed. Many have unleashed wars, triggered riots, annihilated opponents, bankrupted treasuries, and acted as fools. Others have exhibited great courage and demonstrated legendary leadership like Abraham Lincoln. After Abraham Lincoln died, Secretary of War Edwin Stanton looked down at him in his deathbed and said, Now he belongs to the ages. But only one king that I've ever heard about belongs to eternity. Jesus doesn't belong to the ages. He belongs to eternity. He reigns peerless in time. He's the king of an endless empire. He rules above the stars and within our hearts. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of Lords. And I hear S.M. Lockridge saying, that's my king. That's my king. As we come to the end of this series, let us be reminded that Jesus is the Son of Man and he is the Son of God. He is both from eternity and he is from history. He's in the Old Testament. Yes, he is. And he's in the New. He's praying for us while we're praying to him. And while we are seeking him, he is seeking us. He enables us to do greater works than he ever did. He's both the teacher of the truth and the truth to be taught. While he resides up there, he is present down here. He is living even though he died. And he is the king of the Jews. And he is the king of kings. Hallelujah. I must tell you, um, I felt my heart warmed and encouraged as I studied this material. You can't know enough about Jesus, and we will never, ever know everything there is to know about him until we get to heaven. But the more you know him, the more you love him. And the more you understand what he did for you, the more you just want to pour out your life as a PSI, I love you, to to the Lord God for his for his son, Jesus Christ, and for all that has happened through him. My life is totally and completely explained in Jesus Christ. 
He's everything to me. He's what I live for every day. He's what I do every day. He is my Lord and Savior. And yes, he is the King of Kings. I hope that's true for you. And I hope you will get a copy of this book to help you grow in your relationship with him. The Jesus You May Not Know is yours for a gift of any size during the month of May. That means you have today and uh, you have tomorrow. And those are the last opportunities you have to make this request. Uh, We'll have a new offer. We'll have a new resource in the month of June. So, friends, whatever you do, if you want this material, if you want this book, you'll never get a better opportunity. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point and ask for it. We'll send you this 250-page hardback book, and it will be yours uh, to use and to study and to share going forward. The study guide and the CD packages are available from our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. And that won't be hard for you to figure out. It's very prominent there. You will be able to order those materials as you have opportunity. Now, don't forget to join us tomorrow because tomorrow we're going to talk about this question, how to really love Jesus, how to really love him. Now that you know him better, how do you love him? I'm David Jeremiah. I'll see you tomorrow right here on this good station. The message you just heard originated at Shadow Mountain Community Church with Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Share with us the difference Turning Point is making in your life. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 70509, RPO Oak Street, Vancouver, B.C., B6M 0A3. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, The Jesus You May Not Know. It's written to give you a deeper intimacy with Christ and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard Version as well as the New International Version and in standard or large print in the New King James, all with helpful notes and articles by Dr. Jeremiah. Contact us today. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow for a special bonus message, How to Really Love Jesus, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Legacy. When I think about my life and the legacy I will leave behind one day, I remember the legacy of faith I saw in the lives of my parents, and it is now reflected in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Then I reflect upon the calling God placed on my heart to preach and teach, and I think of the people who have been touched around the world through the ministry of Turning Point. Each of us will leave a legacy. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? In addition to the legacy that will be entrusted to your family, perhaps you have considered leaving your imprint on something with eternal consequences. Many people don't think beyond this life. They live only for today with no hope beyond the grave. But for the believer, we not only have an eternal perspective on life today, we want to leave behind a testimony of our faith so that others may come to know Christ as well. Long after you and I finish our time on this earth, Turning Point will continue to bring the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. 
there is still so much work to do. Will you join me in this very important effort? What will your legacy be? If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. 